May I please have your full and undivided attention? It is time for the Paranormal Rundown. Hello, this is Cedric Dankworth Smythe. I am the unexpectedly psychic butler who works with these fine gentlemen. You found your way to the Paranormal Rundown. That was extremely good of you. So... Everyone, this is your father, Cedric Dankworth Smythe, and I'm getting you. Please let me out of this bag. You've got me stuck in here, holding me hostage. No reason to be so. Let me out of this thing, Avalon, immediately. You are not behaving up to the standards of the Dankworth Smythe family. Please let me out of this bag. Avalon. Avalon. Avalon, now you listen to your father. You need to let me out of this bag immediately. Do not hold your father hostage. Ignore that extraneous background noise. That's an order. This is Avalon Lee and Dankworth Smythe. My father has been called away on urgent psychic butler business in the hidden regions of Transylvania. He may be gone for a while. Tonight's guest on the Paranormal Rundown is Chris James, host of the highly regarded Strange Things with Chris James podcast. In that role he has created more podcasts than all for members of the gang of nerds combined, making him a genuine media giant. Obviously, the honor of his presence is all ours. In the past, Chris used a version of the song, The Hanging Tree, in the introduction of his podcast. In my father's absence, I've decided to reimagine that tradition. Mr. James, I'd like to extend a full Dankworth Smythe welcome to the Paranormal Rundown. Hello, everybody out there in the paranormal rundown land. This is Vic Hermanson. Welcome to episode seven of the paranormal rundown. This is the first five member episode we've ever had. Tonight, we have myself, Vic Hermanson. We have J.J. Johnson, Bearded Wonder. We have Dave Griffith, Bearded Wonder number two. We have Father Birdsong, straight from Georgia. And our guest tonight is somebody I'm a real fan of. This is Chris James, who runs the Strange Things with Chris James podcast. He was kind enough to almost immediately accept my invitation. I can't tell him how grateful I am for that. 
And he has decided to subject himself to the four weirdos and the rundown list. So welcome, Father Birdsong and Chris James. Thank you, sir. Glad to be here. Hopefully. Well, I, I just got to say one thing uh, from the start. I've listened to some of Chris's podcasts lately uh, when they came up. I absolutely love them. Uh, they were they were very, very eye-catching for me, so to speak, even though I was listening to them. I don't know why I said eye-catching, but it was, it ear was uh, very good. <laughs> I enjoyed them. I'll tell you the one that pops in my mind more than any other. And I wish I could remember his name, but you worked with a, it was a podcast about a guy you worked with who was one off the wall kind of guy. Uh, Dick. (laughs) I mean, mean, you talk about a roller coaster ride. That guy, uh, (laughs) his, his name was not Dick. It was not Richard. It wasn't Rick. But the guy was the complete. But he was a dick. Oh. <laughs> he, he did things that had I not been witness to, I wouldn't have believed it. Well, it was, I, was, <laughs> I was trying to exercise that day, and I just get laughing so much that <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't keep going. I had to get off, finally just have to get off the machine. But. Okay, my particular machine doesn't seem to want to run Zoom and Excel at the same time. So I have passed the torch. I have passed the 1,310-topic spreadsheet to Dave Griffith, and he is going to be our source of topics tonight. And Dave will uh, lay them out, and Father Birdsong will knock them down, and Chris James will knock them down. Hopefully. Uh, Vic, I... I'm going to try not to break it. We hope. <laughs> there you go. I'll try to do it justice. Hey, I'll handle uh, it carefully. All right. Before we get started, I just got one thing to say. Uh, uh, before we get started, just, just one thing. Uh, we've all been together on uh, just plain audio. And I got to tell you, now that I can see everyone, my imagination was pretty good. <laughs> guys look just like i figured you would i always tell people i have a face for radio and a voice for print so i know that feeling all too well but my favorite one of my favorite is jj's damn goatee i mean my lord have mercy yeah he's gotten pretty extreme with that thing hasn't he i've had it ever since freshman year in college there you go. I love it. I really do. Josh is laughing his tail off over here right now, but they can shut up, Dad. But, but okay, uh, he's so. uh, he's uh, listening too. So uh, excellent. So first topics up we have are bogus phantom social workers or health inspectors. Okay. Second topic is Sam Hain. Third is women in white. Th- fourth is Spanish mm. or Mexican brujo. Hopefully I said that right. You did. Close enough. Then reptilian royalty or reptilians. Ooh. Some really bizarre wow. material concerning this. And then the final is ghost possessions. Let- All right. So, huh. Chris. 
What do you think? Any preference out of those topics? Hmm. They're all interesting. Uh, when you said Sam one, you mean Samhain? Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam Hain, Samhain. Samhain. Yeah, whatever the I was... I was trying to decide whether that was a used car salesman's name or <laughs> the the holiday. Uh, well, Halloween is coming up. It so absolutely is. Halloween I've is already, indeed coming up. I've already got my decorations out. Which, I figure you're that. Yeah, you're that kind of guy. I've also I still got, got a Christmas out of the tree. Attic today. <laughs> I've still got a Christmas tree out in the front yard that's been on. Uh, the lights have been on it for. Well, since 2000, yeah, 2000, uh, during the big black plague. I love uh, this when, guy. Uh, I, just leave my, I noticed a lot of my neighbors walking along the street would stop right next to the tree and they'd look at it and it would kind of bring a smile to their face. And so when it was time to take all the Christmas lights down, I just, I left the tree out there and. Well, I've had to replace the light six times now, but it's still, the tree is still on and hopefully it'll stay on for a lot longer. And but if yeah, my I, wife had her way, that's the way the Halloween decorations would be year round, 365 <laughs> days a year. She I hates it when I take them down and she wanted me to put them out a month ago. <laughs> I, tr- I tried that. My wife said no way. In fact, yeah, she wouldn't yeah. let me decorate last month so i had to wait till this month yeah that was me with her so yeah dave do you have one of those uh 12 or 15 foot skeletons not yet not yet (laughs) good answer i'm I'm going to be buying one of those this time i love those things it's only a matter of time we have a uh, uh in the neighborhood we have someone who's got one of those set up and then in a semicircle around it They've got the shorter skeletons, like the five foot jobs on their knees in chains, praying to it. <laughs> it's the coolest <laughs> Halloween thing I've seen in a long time. Okay, so we got we the same with... thing about. Uh... Go, yeah. ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was just saying we got the same thing about two houses up from us. We got the, the big old blow up skeleton thing and a lot of little ones around it. And even the little witch Condrum, doohickey. Uh, it's just it's just crazy. I love it. It's just new amazing theme. to me. Must be on TikTok. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> what are we going with? Chris has chosen Sam Hain, I believe, or Sawen or Halloween. That's easy Halloween? to pronounce. So who who's got something profound to start off with? It does seem to me when I go outside that it does feel spookier around October. Like, like there is more spirit activity, like there's more unusual things going on. And I'm not psychic. I'm not a uh, gifted type person, but I do sense that there is something about this time of year that there's something going on around us. It has always seemed that way to me as well. But I will say living in Florida, it seems less so. When you walk out in the end of September and it's 85 degrees outside and the leaves aren't rustling and changing colors, it does not feel the same. But when I lived up north, definitely that that time of year always had a 
uh, a spooky feeling. And then investigations are always popping up. Mm -hmm. Public investigations you can do. Uh, (laughs) What what was that? 92 degrees. Is that what you were today? 92 degrees in Laredo. Yeah. Well, Dave, nothing feels the same well, in Florida. I mean, ah, by the time you get this, probably when true. you get to Christmas, it doesn't feel the same <laughs> at all. But <laughs> yeah, Santa well, in board shorts and a uh, and a, a Hawaiian shirt. Father Birdsong. I kind of want to stir the pot on this one. Please do. And I believe that I will actually I, I, I believe that I'll actually get uh, one of our favorites, JJ, going on this as well. But when it comes to Halloween, we have to remember uh, All Hallows' Eve as well. And then we know the next day in the in the church calendar, so to speak, is uh, uh, All Saints' Day. Uh, but just for an interesting point, October 31st was also the day that uh, Luther nailed his thesis to the... Uh, uh, cathedral door but however uh, halloween in its roots of course we know that it we, we know that it began as a i'm going to say maybe a paganism or 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 celtic religion and uh but but all hallows eve the people believed uh now jj feel free to jump in of course uh, but people believed also that one of the reasons why we do the jack-o'-lanterns and this and that and the other and decorate is to is to keep the quote-unquote spookiness away from our homes and people and and, and and families to protect us. And 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 we know that throughout history, October thirty-first is a very high quote-unquote satanic priestly day uh and we that's something we cannot ignore uh but the celebration throughout the years has has become you know unknown that it's just kids going out and getting candy well that's not really the case because that is a very it it it, it is a very demonic day uh throughout uh, history itself but however it goes into all saints day which is the uh, church celebration of that time where we celebrate the saints that have gone before us now uh, um, i won't i i would really love to hear jj jump in on, on this and it could take this conversation very uh, very far. Uh, we're going to have technical difficulties, guys, so mm-hmm. let's just be at peace. It's the subject matter. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I that would, stuff I would, does I would happen. Agree there. Well, it, it does. does. Between Absolutely. EVPs that have shown up in previous episodes and mm-hmm. this, who knows? Concerning technical glitches on the paranormal rundown, I, Avalon Lee and Dankworth Smythe know both their cause and their cure. It's simple, satanic mind worms have invaded the show. My father normally keeps them well away and under exquisite control. But, as he is attending to urgent and lengthy matters in Transylvania, 
there may be problems. Father, we might need to discuss an alternative control strategy. But I'm sure you'll soon have the problem in the bag, as they say. Surprisingly, more people aren't into Walspurgis Night, which that's almost as big a celebration as Halloween. It's six months down the road, uh, April 30th, and that's just as big of an event. Mm -hmm. And yet, most people have never even heard of it. Which what is, was the name of it? All oh, what? Walspurgis yeah. Night. Uh, it's a it's a German word. It's huge. Of course, I think Halloween is a German word. Uh, it's amazing how many things that came out of Germany, like poltergeist. That's a German word for noisy uh -huh. ghosts. Yeah. And yet, yeah. Uh, you don't hear anybody. You don't see anybody decorating for Walspurgis Night. It's it's one of those secret, quiet things, I guess. But that's six months down the road. Oh, well. Wow. Well, I mean, even W-A-L-P-U-R-G-I-S, and it's an abbreviation of St. Walpurgis Night. Mm, yeah. Okay. I have never so, heard of it. How was that celebrated? What do they do? That I don't know. Like I said, it seems to be like a secretive thing. Uh, I had a an actual witch on the show several years ago, and I meant to ask her about it, but it just... It never came up in the conversation. That was a weird interview because before I could get her on the show, I kind of had to run through a whole bunch of uh, hurdles to to prove really? that I wasn't going to mock her or make fun of her religion. And of course, my wife was like, "Don't but I don't play with Ouija boards, but <laughs> I don't." Do I. I don't have a problem talking to a witch because she's not going to cast a spell on me through the computer. A different, uh, at least different kind so. of energy. Well, she said <laughs> right. she wouldn't. Yeah. She completely ruined my my idea of what a witch was like. She didn't even own a cat. She or had two poodles. She had two poodles. And what was it? Was like, which did she turn out to be a? A good, interesting interview. Oh yeah, extremely <clears throat> well. I just uh, she ruined my ideas of what a witch is supposed of, to look of like. Just what a witch should be. Ah, no, no pointy hat, no broom, no yeah. pointy nose. Uh, seemed so, like a pretty nice person, but well, even even on the line of what Chris said, yeah, with with even on the line of what Chris said about this uh, celebration and and holiday, so to speak, that. You know, we don't we don't realize it's very close to Halloween, but I'll uh, I'll throw something in there for everyone to talk about and give an opinion for. Uh, we 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 can't we can't forget about Mardi Gras. Mm -hmm. You know, Fat Tuesday, the big celebration mm -hmm. of all. Let's go out and do all your sin, and yeah. then uh, and then go into Holy Week. Right. Originally, those floats. Those floats that they used to pull through the streets where the half-naked women dancing on them, they're originally used to depict Bible scenes. But hmm. they they kind of changed the theme a little. Originally, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah that's in, a slight change. Yeah. Wasn't it in Mobile, I think, where they started? Because so many people couldn't read. And so they would put the different 
Bible depictions on a wagon. They'd drive it by and everybody'd look at it and think, okay, mm-hmm. there's there's Jesus turning the fish and the bread into a lot of lunch for people. And so these were you know, mobile stained glass windows. Sort of. Well, <laughs> no, that you didn't have to wash. It's a, it's amazing how something can change its purpose over time. You know, like Halloween, it's become the giant candy festival. Uh, the the parade, the floats went from biblical scenes to craziness. The necklaces, yeah. Well, it is yeah. interesting. This this Walpurgis night uh, is just like Halloween, the eve of a Christian saint feast mm-hmm. day. So the feast of Saint Walpurgis. That says a lot. That says and a lot right there. So that's an interesting correlation between those two. It says that the, the celebrations are like bonfires and dancing and stuff, but yeah, it's kind of like a let's get ours in first. How many churches in Europe were built on top of sites that they used to have pagan rituals held? It's uh, absolutely I would think a huge number of them. Oh, probably. who knows, man? Who knows? Things, absolutely, you know, you, yeah. So if if one was back in Druid times or whatever group it was that started doing these celebrations. And I, I guess I've always thought in my mind that this must have to do with the, you know, this is the time of the year where it starts to get dark, starts to get cold. Mm-hmm. People would have to worry about, oh man, are we going to have enough food to eat through the winter? Uh, there'd be all these things people would worry about. And so of course they would try to manipulate the world where they could survive. But how would the Druids celebrate the Sow and Samhain? And of course, we always turn to JJ for questions like that. I have no particular insight upon that part of it. Um, the only thing I will say is that going back to uh, David's previous previous constant, uh, comment that being in Florida doesn't quite make it feel like that kind of spooky atmosphere. Uh, to me, uh, October. Although it's kind of like Southern demonology's busiest time of the year, that's more out of choice than by necessity. Uh, in fact, Halloween's kind of lost some of the meaning to me because I, I don't know. I, I've been in Japan for so long that it's really Obon now that has the same meaning that Halloween does. When summer rolls around, that is the time for spooky stories. That is the time for uh, doing all of these rituals in order to honor the dead. So it's. And that's the reason why that. Well, no, that that's that's the reason why the the the, in the Christian era, so to speak, that Halloween has a lot more to do with All Saints Day. Is just like what JJ just said, just honoring, honoring the dead and honoring the saints that have gone before us. But however, uh, I, I, uh, it was just mentioned that that Christianity tried to make it like that. But I mean, let's be honest, Christianity is the ultimate appropriationist religion. It took all of the holidays that surrounded it and made it their own, yeah. put their own little yeah. special twist on it in order to bring more and more people exactly. into the fold. You got to keep those pagans busy. 
that's what a lot of people forget is is the the paganism religion and their holidays were way before and I will admit that before the Christian holidays. And so the Christians did come in to change try to change a lot of things and make it into uh a more positive or Christ-centered area to dispel the paganism. So yes, I mean JJ is absolutely correct on that. Uh, with this many people, we stepped on Chris a second ago. He was getting ready to talk about druids. Well, you you said somebody had asked about the druids, uh, how they celebrated Halloween. We'll we don't know, and we can't find out unless there's some hidden records somewhere because the Romans wiped out all of their records. Uh, they were a bit afraid of these folks, which is strange considering how huge the Roman army was. And so all we know about the Druids is what the Romans said. They talked about how they had their their sorcerers and their human sacrifice and all this stuff. That could have been just bad PR from the Romans. Now, the same with the Picts. They depict the Boy, that's repetitious. They depicted the Picts <laughs> as if there were these eight-foot-tall monsters coming from the north simply because they had to explain to the folks back in Rome why a bunch of half-naked savages were able to beat the Roman army. So they said, well, no, we're fighting demons here. Well, what do you expect us to do? A bunch of half-naked men and women that have dyed their skin blue. That's why they're called Picts. It's for picture. And uh, <laughs> But yeah, the, the, the Romans weren't adverse to putting a spin on things just because they lost the war. Oh, yeah, they were giants. They were the same with the Druids. They completely wiped them out. They destroyed their records, and then they said a whole bunch of bad things about them. So, Well, and th- they followed suit with the Greeks on that one because, mm-hmm. goodness, the Greeks, whenever they would see a Zoroastrian monastery or a priest, they would torch first and ask questions mm-hmm. later. I kind of wonder what happened to all those records there at Alexandria. Well, according to Edgar Casey, uh, Edgar Casey said there was more than one uh, storehouse, but the one was supposed to have been under the Sphinx's paw. And, well, I think the Egyptian government got a hold of it. I was going to say that that turned out to actually be mm-hmm. something under there, <laughs> but you never heard what it was that they found, mm-hmm. right? Nope. Nope. The people that control the knowledge. Got too many cats keep trying to attack my <laughs> microphone. I think it's funny. I, I'm laughing. <laughs> Let that baby be. <laughs> well, the trouble is she gets the microphone and she'll spin it around to where it's, I can't talk into it. Or she'll try to unplug it, which. Yeah. Uh, or hit the power button on the computer. Yeah. Oh, they used to play it when I had the the actual mixer, they would run the volume up and down while I was talking. So I had to tape the button down so that they couldn't. Oh, well, that's funny. All right. That's let's funny. let's go for uh, the next round. What do you guys think? Well, can I, oh, yes. I got two two things I'd really like to talk about with Halloween. And I missed a, yeah. about five minutes there. 
Do you mind if I just kind of get them out of here real quick? Yeah, go for it. Chime in. So, you know, the stories of kids being abducted and things like that on Halloween, they're out there trick or treating and people in white vans try to come and grab them and that sort of thing. You've heard these kind of stories. Oh, yes. Happened to me. Yeah. I was in Louisville, Kentucky, about a mile away from our house on Johnsontown Road. My friend and my friend John Pace and I look up and there are there's this van that's kind of just creeping along down the street right behind us. And we get very, very nervous. We look up and there are two guys, two big men who jump out of the van and they start chasing after us. And they did not have funny looks on their faces. This was not a we're having fun kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is not high school teenagers playing a prank. This is not high school teenagers playing a prank. Now, what saved us was the fact that we were little and fast and uh, paranoid and that we knew the neighborhood. And that was one of those neighborhoods in Kentucky where everybody's got a fenced in backyard. So it's house fence, house fence, house fence. And we spent we just we just went back through the fences. We didn't give them a chance to find us. We did, went different ways, and they um, they didn't get us, but they sure did really try. And I've always right. wondered what would have happened had we not been as fast as we were. Organ donors. Organ Possibly. donors. Or maybe, yeah. I'm not even going to go there. But uh, <laughs> mm. now the other thing about Halloween that I just never can ever get out of my mind is the third Halloween movie, which that's pretty <laughs> my awesome. favorite, yeah. yeah, my least I favorite. Like, I like that one. There you go, JJ. I, I love that movie. I mean, <laughs> I mean, just talk about an absolute train wreck of a movie. But, but the song redeemed everything about the, the song whole movie. Was creepy. I'll grant you that. Yeah. Well. Well, you it was realize such a that- change. It was such a change from Michael Myers running around stabbing teenagers. <laughs> yeah, you can only watch a guy in a uh, Captain Kirk mask do the same thing over and over and over for so long before the movie loses its its appeal. It loses its appeal. Yeah, but uh, all of a sudden you've got this mask that you put on and it takes over your body. Takes over your body. It was like, yeah. was it three more days to Halloween? Halloween. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Now it's stuck in my head. Now it's stuck in your head. Okay. But <laughs> I'm going to be singing that all night long now. Thank you guys very much for that. <laughs> but I hate, I hate to admit it, but Michael Myers is the least interesting movie monster that has ever existed. <laughs> and I cannot stand Oh, the don't say that in front of my wife. i have uh i have a very interesting fact about those movies though uh but actually the very first one if you remember the opening scene and 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 sad to say it was the the only scene that he was in but in the very opening scene of the very first halloween movie uh uh michael came in and killed a girl and a guy right his sister and uh the guy his, yeah, his name uh, in in real life is David Foster, and uh, uh, I actually know him personally. He was a 
priest in our communion for a while. And uh, uh, since then, his ministry has grown because of personal reasons and personal demons in his own life. And uh, uh, but yeah, he he starred in that movie. He was and, the one that got uh, killed, or the, 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 the little I'm, boy. I might try. Yeah, he was. He was. He was the 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 boy of the sister. I think they were sitting on a couch or something at that time, but I I, I can't remember. But he was killed not oh. too long in the opening scene, and uh, he has a very interesting story. I might I might try to get him to join us sometime. Oh yeah, uh, just because I know him, and uh, but but he grew up in Hollywood and was uh, uh, became let's just say sold out for sex for a while in the whole Hollywood catch up thing. Mm. And, uh, but, uh, at any rate, he, he has a real good story, but whenever I hear about the movie Halloween, I always, I always think of him and, uh, he's a, he's a great guy, but thanks to Dave and Vic, I'm going to go to bed tonight and say three more days to Halloween, Halloween. <laughs> I'm going to be singing that all night long guys. So thank you very Not much. Not my fault. Not uh, my fault. That's hey, all this. <laughs> when you came on board, Father Versong, I never promised you it'd be easy. I remember showing it to my wife the first time. And every once in a while, when I'll show my wife a movie, she'll, she'll sit there like, okay, I'll, I'll watch this with him. But, uh, but every once in a while, she looks at me like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Are we really watching this? <laughs> it's funny. We went through this whole Halloween marathon about two years ago. We we pick a series, right, each year, and we start watching them up to Halloween. And we did the, the Halloween series a couple years ago. And we got to the third one. And we're like, wait a second. I don't remember seeing this one. And what? <laughs> it, just, it was like, it just didn't fit. So, you know. I well, guess Myers first, is dead. You got to do something. So, well, first, at least it was Vic. What about Chucky? Yes. If if it oh, was yeah, me I'll, who I'll sung it, you would not have any more eardrums. Because <laughs> uh, I have a I have a voice that only a pack of wolves would love. Uh, but second, uh, I mean, <laughs> JJ, you're crazy. I love this guy. <laughs> but at least Vic, what you said. It is a myth that came to life, and that is scary as heck. Whereas the myth of which I think we all grew up with, of oh my gosh, people are putting you know razor blades into your candy glass, never materialized. It was just a myth. Well, the times they did it has put mat- some drugs and some candy in uh, Houston, but the person really? that killed. It was uh, yeah. those pixie sticks, and mm-hmm. the, the perpetrator of the yeah. crime was the dad mm-hmm. of the victim. Oh wow! He had uh, he had put a huge life insurance policy on his son, and then he tried it. Well, killed him, which which That's never evil draws you any attention not, to him. You're you're not yeah. serious about that, are you? Yes, uh, he is. Yep. That's, yep. The, there are some people on this planet that, well, 
I probably shouldn't say it, but they should have been uh, taken out a long time ago. And unfortunately, it's against the law to kill them, but they're out there, and they will do despicable things for a buck. And this kid's dad... That is... No, so it, we it have, did happen. That breaks my yes. heart, guys. It actually did happen. It, the guy, well, shouldn't go into it too much, but he he never went trick or treating with his kids until that night. Then oh. they're walking down the street, and he comes running up at the back of the pack. He says, "Here, those people back there gave you guys this stuff. The the, the people hadn't given ah. it to the kids. Then he insists that his son should go ahead and." enjoy one of these things because those nice people gave it to him and the next thing you know his kids in the hospital well, that was that, his plan yeah wow god i, I can't it was yeah uh, no. i have two sons and that is that is mm -hmm. look there's nothing evil. special about me i jump in front of a train to try to save my sons mm -hmm. no thought <laughs> You know, and and I just think most fathers are like that, but not this guy. There, there are some people out there that just have zero feeling for those around them. Yeah, that's uh, a sociopath for sure. Yeah, well, that's they're a broken. Like a, they're uh, broken. Most of them, are, most of them are he's in Washington. <laughs> I'm, ho I'm, I'm hoping that he is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm hoping he's still in Huntsville. Yeah, lots in Washington. I don't think he survived the the stay because criminals have a thing have a justice about, system inside yeah, yeah anybody mm -hmm. that picks on kids Birch doesn't children. laugh yeah. Yeah. so chris, i don't think the man I, lasted too long chris i've never told you this but i was a a, a trauma nurse in houston yeah probably, probably about the same time you were doing your ems training which hospital i worked at ben Taub, i worked at uh uh ah. herman i worked at uh Memorial Northwest. I worked at uh, Memorial Southwest. There's several hospitals in hmm. Houston. And uh, then, go ahead. You ever get to meet Doctor Duke? I absolutely did get to meet Doctor Duke. I was I was yeah. telling these guys how much of fun it was to when Doctor Duke did rounds. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was everybody wanted to follow Doctor Duke around on rounds. Yeah, it'd be like 300 people following him into the patient's room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it was fun. I mean, because mm -hmm. he but he would spend time really telling people about what was going on and he was entertaining when you listen to him had a photographic memory too had a photographic memory absolutely well a few years later i did um a, a contract nursing agency contract working in the infirmary at huntsville um for about four months four to six months i don't remember exactly how long uh, that's a place where there's some stories. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You did your you did your work in a cage, <laughs> <laughs> and that was the appropriate way to do that work. Mm -hmm. uh, very little uh, actual patient interaction. Very little actual patient interaction, and and I was very happy when that particular contract was over. But I have a question, guys. Just, it, it, it was it was it was just something that Chris said that just really it really sparked me. And uh, well, first he said maybe we shouldn't dive too deep in it, and I want to encourage him no dive deep into anything. <laughs> uh, that's just who we are. Hey. 
Uh, but, but I just can't help but to go back to the idea that a father would poison their own children. Mm-hmm. Oh, that woman and, that and killed her kids. You got you, you exactly. Well, you not you guys know my background, and I just want to open this can of worms. Um, that's a southern saying, by the way. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. For a guy to do that to their own children. I would believe that goes beyond a mental illness into a demonic possession. So from my perspective, I it's certainly a possibility, but not something that you could know without right, without actually exactly. assessing it. I think that there exactly. are there are probably some mental illnesses where where people are are so broken that they there is no line. I think that that's possible. Uh, I think okay. that it's also yeah. possible yeah, that I in, agree there. in some situations, someone who is in that state is can be pressed on just a little bit by the demonic yeah. and made to do things that are unthinkable. Could be you pushed. Know, that, yes. Yeah. And it's that just goes, a little pressure. That, and that, then, goes, that goes to the many, yeah, the many stages. Yeah. Right. You have somebody who's hurting for money, Th- that, at least in, in their mind. They think, oh, I need more money. I need a bigger car. I've got too many bills because I spent more money than I made. He didn't pay attention to Dave Ramsey. And <laughs> you've got this guy and he's <laughs> he's suddenly open. Yeah, I, I've been to financial peace. He's suddenly open to any way of making money. So then you've got this dark overlord. Let's call him the devil. And he yeah. sees this guy. And he's like, this guy is open for anything. Let me just put my finger into his mind and see what happens. And the next thing you know, the guy's killing somebody. He opened go. a portal inside his mind and the devil walked in that's that's my take on the situation it very well could be exactly that, but i would also say that i've always have kind of made the distinction between human evil and preternatural evil you know, there's the kind that well, yeah, can only yeah. be inspired by something from below. However, if one is so rooted into selfishness, into their own sense of worldview, to the point where they simply have no empathy because they can't understand anything outside of themselves, then I'm not really sure if that there would require any kind of external force to make them do something so heinous and so diabolical. In in most cases, I would, I would agree that the, the factor that makes it more difficult is when it's your own child. Mm 
It's your own child, right? And a child that's old enough to go trick or treating, right? We're not talking about a child that you haven't had any time to be attached to. That's a hard one. That's a hard one to swallow. But I I agree, JJ, it's possible. I think I would generally go from the position that such a man is not capable of forming attachments to other people. Uh, right. for, for for whatever yeah. reason. I mean, Chris, yeah. you re, you remember Janine Jones, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Janine two, Jones. Was I mean, it two or three kids? Oh, I think I don't I'm not sure they quite know how many kids. Well, you know, her but Oh, you're you're brief. talking the nurse. I'm sorry. I was thinking the woman that killed her own kids. The, oh, the that nurse was, that was uh, Susan Smith or yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Anyway, Janine, uh Yeah. She, she, she was the know. nurse that would she would get a thrill out right. of being the one to save the day. Oh, your your bi- kid is yeah. And in the process, how many did she kill? I'm thinking like twelve. I mean, well, and then she her- got moved over to Fredericksburg instead of. Yeah. Huh. I can't <laughs> imagine. They didn't. They didn't turn her into the law. They they erased oh. her records, and she got another job in Fredericksburg. Well, that this is one of the wow. I mean, I know we're going down a rabbit hole, but this is one of the problems with the old Texas mm-hmm. way of dealing with nurses. Yeah. Uh, if you get a nurse who's stealing morphine and Demerol and all this stuff out of the drug cart, you confront them. You tell them you're going to fire them. Yeah. But you say, really, all we're going to do is fire you and you can go down the ho- you can go down the street. We're not. This is not going to follow you. Yeah. Th- this is not going to follow you. And I think they really pretty much felt the same way about murdering babies that seems problematic to me it is somewhat problematic yes so okay dave you've been wanting to do a spin here all right you ready yeah yeah next round let's do it we have horror versus terror i assume the the subtle differences or maybe not so subtle between the two silence of god thought forms Exorcism. uh, Was yeah okay. I can't can't pronounce this right. (laughs) Caesarian was he really Caesar's son? That's a that's a you topic, Vic. Uh, And then particularly haunted places. Wow. I'd say this takes Caesarian out of that one, but uh... (laughs) fair enough. I did say it right. Yes, you did. Oh, excellent! I, I thought hmm. we kind of stumbled on that. Cesarean. I, I, I thought cesarean was an operation where they delivered a child. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. I don't think it's. Is it spelt the same way, Vic? I, mm-hmm. I don't remember. I, I was probably, <laughs> I was probably reading about it that day. I mean, you know, you you already know that. You know, trailer trash terrorists is about whatever the heck I'm thinking about that week. That is that is exactly right, and, and exactly so goes the list. I, I hear you. Okay, so, so we have horror versus terror, silence of God, thought forms, exorcism, or particularly haunted places. Anybody got a favorite there? Any takers? Chris, preference? I like haunted places. You like haunted Be- places? Yes. Yeah. Because why? You watch, well, I don't know if y'all watch the same shows I do, but a lot of times you get these experts that will go into a place and they will declare 
someone was murdered here. That's why there's a ghost on the property. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't necessarily happen go. that way. I love it already. My favorite example of why it's not that way is World War One. They blew up thousands of troops to a point where there was no body to pick up. They were simply left where they were killed. And yet, whenever paranormal groups go to the area where the the trenches were, (laughs) there's not that much activity. You would think their EVPs, you know, there would be one on top of another. You'd think their their meters would be going nuts. You'd think they'd be getting all kinds of things on their thermal cameras. They don't get hardly anything. See, the same thing with Gettysburg Mm -hmm. and Tatum. Now, we do get stuff there sometimes especially and it's interesting especially where the field hospitals were that seems to have more activity than like the battlefield itself Mm -hmm. but i i don't know i do know that your show this week was on edgar Allan poe Mm -hmm. and i i i really enjoyed that episode but i used to live in richmond virginia Mm. and so I've investigated the Poe Museum, which was where he lived when he was in Richmond, Mm -hmm. I believe. I I don't know exactly what the relationship of that property was. I know that in that property, they have a staircase from his childhood home in it that they moved to there. Mm -hmm. Just the staircase. They have Mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff there. And we've investigated that four or five times. And there is definitely activity there. I had one of the best flashlight sessions I've ever had. It was like five, six minutes long. And none of them were Poe. (laughs) (laughs) No idea who it was. Uh, You know, we had the flashlight session sort of seemed like it might have been somebody who was, uh, you know, a maid there or something like that. uh, Some of the the help or or what. But it is interesting. Identified. Something is being Poe. I suppose you would ask, is this Poe? (laughs) There would be a response that is yes, right? If it was Edgar Allan Poe, I'm sure he would have said, yeah, that's me. Right. Exactly. Dave, what is a a flashlight episode? Okay, flashlight session session is... is When you take a uh, a little mini mag flashlight, all right, you familiar with the little ones? They're about about that long, right? And you mm-hmm. untwist it until it's almost ready to turn on, and mm-hmm. you set it down, mm-hmm. and you can bump the ground around it, and nothing yeah. will will trigger it, right? And then you start asking questions, and the flashlight turns on or off by itself. Now there are different theories as to why it works. Uh, okay. Some say that. You know, they're bridging the connection between the battery and the light so that it can turn on or off. Maybe they're actually physically turning it. Um, it's such a small movement at that point that you would have to like have a really detailed camera on it to see that movement. Uh, there are people that dispute it that say that the, it's not spiritual activity at all. It's, um, it's a heating and cooling cycle that causes it to expand and contract. The sort of problem with that is, is that it seems like heating it would keep it more connected 
<laughs> instead mm-hmm. of ever turning off. Exactly. Uh, plus, the the what made that session so good was that we were getting nice. <laughs> Father Mike's holding up the Poe. Josh book. wanted to show. That's Josh. That's Josh. Yeah, he wanted to show it to you guys. That's a good one. Uh, so, so the what made it interesting is we're asking questions for yes or no, and we're getting responses, not all the time, but some of the time, and you assume no responses and no, but then we stop asking questions for, I don't know, like a minute or two, and the flashlight doesn't go off. And then you go, and I was... I was ex- explaining it to somebody. I'm like, this is what you want to see is do you don't want to see the flashlight come on? And I said, okay, turn the light on if you're still here. And then bam, the flashlight turns on. So that's a, that's what you're looking for in a flashlight. But we've had a lot of stuff happen at Poe. Well, if anybody hmm. says that, yeah, I mean, I mean, because if, if, if anybody wants to talk about electricity and this and that and the other with a flashlight, well, that blows everything out of the window because first and foremost, the dadgum, Flashlight is operated by batteries. So I don't want to hear anything about electricity. So the only explanation they could be is some spirit is fooling with the flashlight. Yeah, I, I think that the. I don't. The, I, 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 I do not think there's any other way around that except to believe what's happening. We have had instances That's where we've my simplistic point of view. Yeah, we, we've had instances where we've actually told them to turn on different colored flashlights and had them turn on the color we asked for. So, you know, we've definitely had good evidence mm-hmm. of it. But back to, you know, the idea of a specific place, you know, yeah. there do seem to be houses, places that that definitely have more activity than others. and. You you never know, you never know quite why. Uh, Chris, have you ever done any investigating yourself? Yes. Uh, when I first wrote the book, the Laredo Paranormal Research Society, I want in every ghost investigation they had, so I could document what they were doing. And then one day, Ishmael hands me a vest with the uh, the patch on it and says, "I oh, are now a member." I was like, I didn't know I was joking, <laughs> but. <laughs> We wanted to go to this one house here in Laredo where there was an honest-to-God axe murder. A guy was killed. He was hacked to death with an axe, and his name was Smiley. What a name. And (laughs) I met a person, a family, that lived in the house after the murder had taken place. They rented it to him. They never mentioned, oh, by the way, there's a dead body in the hallway. They never mentioned that. And nothing happened the whole time they were there until the last day when they were moving out. The the son, the oldest son, yeah, I, I think he was like 25 at the time, was sitting on the chair. He was just kind of like uh, collapsed into the chair in front of the TV, which wasn't on. And he looked and he saw somebody looking over the back of the chair. In It was reflected on the TV screen. And it's one right. of those like, there's nobody there. And, he looks around the house. There's nobody in the house. And that's the only thing that happened in this house where this horrendous murder took place. Right. We investigated the Laredo Arena. Uh, 
cold, wet, nasty, horrible night to, to be doing things. It was, it was around 60, which for us, that's cold. And they have a woman who is seen walking along the second tier on the north side of the building. She walks along the causeway. She goes into the ladies' room. They hear the toilet flush after a couple of minutes. They hear the, the sink come on. There's nobody in there. The cleaning <laughs> staff have been have been plagued by this apparition. Now, the building was new when we investigated. Uh, as far as any records, as far back as we could find, nobody died there. And yet they've got this ghost, a very clean ghost. Yes, using, <laughs> using the bathroom every night. And, a and the fascinating guest. thing <laughs> is that you're talking a second floor, very specific stuff yeah. that's built to that building mm-hmm. that it's not obvious, obviously not related to. A lot of times you you, you hear about, um, uh, you know, spirits that are, they'll call them residual haunts or whatever, mm-hmm. where it. It's somebody walking through the motions and, and, and you'll see where they're like walking above the floor or Mm -hmm. like halfway down the floor because the old building was at a different elevation. It's it's like the past spatial relationships still hold. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but in this case, it's a new building with Mm -hmm. new fixtures and they're washing their hands. That's a, that's interesting. We also, the entire city is being visited by a little girl in a white dress uh i wrote a lot about her in two different books because so many people tell me about it she's seven to eight years old she's wearing a white dress comes down to her knees and she has Mm. boots with buttons on them they stopped making boots with buttons in 1917 they see her and they say she looks solid she looks real she looks like a person until she disappears now she's been seen at the college which used to be the fort fort mcintosh now it's the laredo college she's been seen at the health department on cedar street she's been seen at the mall she's been seen at a hotel across the street from the mall she's been seen at the lea also the sports arena uh and i asked people you know Tell me exactly how you saw her. They'll describe her to me, and it's the exact same description every time, right down to the boots with the buttons. Wow. How can a ghost get to that many places Do throughout they, uh, years? Can they relate this little girl ghost to some particular person, some particular event? Nope. Uh, <clears throat> The the place she has seen the most is in front of the Sears store at the mall, which is now closed. Yeah, it's gone, yeah. They would, they would see her sitting in front of it. We still got the, the sign and everything up. It's just a big empty building. But they would see her sitting on the bench in front of that store the most. Uh, the cleaning staff. It got to a point where they would see her. They wouldn't look. It's like, okay, it's her. She's there. They would clean around the bench, and they'd go on about their way without ever looking at her. Because they knew that the second they looked directly at her, she was going to disappear. Every security guard in the building has had a a friend in with her. I asked. I spent two days sitting in the security guard's office interviewing guards 
about their sightings. And hoping to have a hoping to have a, a run in yourself? Oh no. no, I don't think I ever want to meet this girl because <laughs> is she a little girl or is uh, she something else? Well, that's a good question. You never know. If what, you well, see that, a little girl, kind of opens the door. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, you see a little girl. It doesn't matter that she's been dead for, you know, a hundred years. You're not going to be afraid of her. Your mm -hmm. instinct is going to be, I need to oh. help this girl go to the light. Mm -hmm. What if she's not going to the light? What if she's going the other way? A uh, disguise. What better disguise for a demon than to appear as a small child? Well, gosh, I mean, JJ, that's well. You know, see, the, that's uh, that's uh, that that kind of opens the door to what I was going to ask, and uh, it, it 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 may even open the door for JJ to jump in. Uh when it comes to ghosts or something like that that Chris is talking about. When someone says a ghost, well, there's many theories out there about it. Uh, could it be, first and foremost, number one, a demon? Is that ghost a demon? But then we have a whole nother idea that, well, maybe maybe it's a spirit that has, that has been let back from purgatory searching for redemption. So, I, I mean, uh, when it comes to, to when you see, I'm going to say, I, I hate to use this term, but many people have used the term friendly ghost. Well, I personally don't believe in friendly ghost, you know, and, 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 and number two is, is when you seek through a medium, someone, you know, just, just kind of like, uh, Saul, Saul sought through a medium to, to, to visit Samuel. That wasn't Samuel. That was a familiar spirit. I want to hear your guys, you guys ideas on that. What, what was that? Was it, was it a demon or was it a spirit from, uh, like people you like to throw in there now from purgatory that's been able to come back to seek forgiveness. Well, in terms of the Saul story, I, that, I, I, that is firmly in the camp of there. This came at a time of Judaism where there was no devil. There was never a concept of a devil. Everything was controlled directly by God. Every spirit mm -hmm. of destruction, every catastrophe, every bad thing that's ever happened was controlled directly by God. So that, that's what I would say on that okay. front. But I will say that um, on the topic itself of extremely haunted places, I have been so fascinated by this topic Ever since I had one of my best friends from college tell me of a story, and of course, this was back in the infancy of the internet, so you couldn't just reach into your pocket and 
verify something that was true or not. But he told me of the quote unquote <laughs> most haunted place in Britain. That if, you know, when people would go okay. into this place, they would be murdered. They would be ejected out of windows. Um, no one could stay the night. And, you know, of course, this never existed. But just the idea of that ignited something deep in my brain. And I would agree with Father Birdsong. Right. Um, where I grew up, there was never an idea of a friendly ghost. Now, we had a spirit where I grew up um, that infested our old house. And some people jokingly called it Patrick. And some people said, oh, yeah, it looks after us. No, no, no. This thing did nothing of the sort. <laughs> it wanted no, no, no. It, it wanted nothing but exactly and at worst uh predictions of death. But uh like the most haunted places that I know of uh from my area, they were former slave plantations, and all the stories are is that if you happen to go to these locations, you will hear uh, chains rattling in the night and slaves crying out for retribution. And that's why no one ever goes to these places because they are scary as hell. So I've, I've investigated <laughs> plantations multiple times um, and, and older, older places in, in Virginia. And we went to this one place um, called Bacon's Castle and and Vic will remember this from the EVP episode we did, where I caught someone humming. And it was outside. We were sitting on the stoop of the slave quarters. And there was just this do to do to do, you know, this humming that lasted went on for about 10, 15 seconds. Like, hey, I'm just on my way to work or on my way back from the field, whatever it is. It, it and, was a woman um, that was humming. No, that was a different one. That was the Cuban club. Oh, that was the Cuban club. Okay. The, mm -hmm. the one at, at Bacon's was it was a man. And, you know, it was there was nothing negative. In fact, I've never gotten anything like chains or uh, screams or anything like that. Not to say that bad things haven't happened at plantations. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, I'm just saying I've never captured activity like that. Oh, and I can't verify any of this because these are just stories that we heard as we grew up. Um, but I will say one last thing real quick, and then I'll, I'll shut up on the topic. Mm. Uh, I've been watching um, supposedly this really good documentary. This is what I've heard uh, from people who have seen it called uh, Paranormal. The um what is it? The gravestone, the ghost and something, you know, it's on the BBC. Uh, and it's about the quote unquote, most haunted place in Wales. And I have no opinion as to the actual hauntingness of the place. I will say that the documentary itself is the most paint by numbers thing that I have ever seen to the point where it could easily be a satire of the entire genre. It's just a generic ghost story where they're pulling pieces out of a hat. You know, here's the rattling chains. Here's the, uh, well, it's not uh so much the cold story, part of the like room. The, I mean, the story itself is interesting because it's about a house called Penny Ford farm. Mimicry. And, um, like in the, in the fields next to the house, 
people have claimed to have seen the Virgin Mary and they've had various illnesses cured like a cataract and a frozen shoulder and the house itself they've had hundreds of words just mysteriously appear scrawled into the wood and on the stone um, that are all in Welsh and uh, there's been a whole bunch like there's been monks that appear there's been visions of a girl and her gravestone was there on the property so I mean it sounds like a really interesting case it's just the documentary itself is well let's see they have a memory board Ooh, that's really original oh my gosh let's start like, tracing red lines across everything that's going on etc so it's just it's the it's just the way it was done but the story itself i haven't gotten too far into it i'm only like on episode four but that is an interesting thing uh, to be sure chris what would be the most haunted place in laredo Sorry probably about the, the old hospital. Probably the old hospital. Uh, I'm not supposed to use the name because the owner is still trying. There's been lawsuits. They want to tear it down. They want to sell it. They want to refurbish it. They want to turn it into nightclub something. But this old hospital, lots of people did not survive their trip mm-hmm. to the place, and just about every time we've gone in there with the owner's permission we've almost always come away with some spectacular evidence of otherworldly things going on uh one one night we had a bunch of cops with us they were there to kind of see what a ghost investigation looked like and of course these cops you know big young healthy guys they looked terrified they were they're kind of white looking (laughs) And we're walking down this hallway in the basement. We're passing the cafeteria on the right-hand side. And on the left-hand side, up ahead, is the morgue. That's a good place to have it, the morgue right next to the Mm -hmm. cafeteria. Yeah, it's a great place. Uh, Saves on refrigeration. Ishmael is wearing a pair of glasses. Ishmael's wearing a pair of glasses with a camera lens right in the middle. So everywhere his head turns, it is filming everything that he's pointing at. Uh, I can't think of the name. You can buy them at Amazon for like 40 bucks. And it's got a six-hour memory. So he's walking ahead of me, and I'm kind of behind him and off to the right, about two feet. It's what you call in the military a V formation. It just, it's one of those things. Once, Once you learn it, you can't unlearn it. And we're walking along, and Ishmael starts right. to turn towards me because he saw something to my right. And as he's turning, all of a sudden he starts coughing and choking. So I'm looking at him thinking, I hope this guy doesn't die because I can't carry him out of here. He, he's a big guy. And he's coughing and choking, and I'm like, yo, you okay? He started to breathe. It's like just something got in his throat. No idea what. We went on down the hallway to the morgue. Nothing happened in the morgue which is weird. We get back home. He takes the glasses. He plugs the memory card into a computer and he watches the video and he's on the phone calling everybody in the team. You got to see this. You you see the hallway out in front of him. It's infrared. He's got an infrared camera, uh, an infrared flashlight and an infrared lens. Hmm. You see the hallway. He's turning his head towards me. Unfortunately, it doesn't have audio as his face is 
passing this doorway into the kitchen, you see this black humanoid shape, and it's coming out of the door right at him. In other words, it's passing right in front of me, but I didn't see it because I didn't have the cool guy glasses. As it comes out of the doorway, that's when he started choking and coughing. Wow. So we watched that video probably a hundred times. Slow, fast, uh, different filters, and all you could see is just this black shape. So we take the video down to the McAllen Library where we're having a ghost event. And we show the video to a group of people in the audience. And a woman in the middle of the audience says, hey, wait a minute. You can see a face on that, that figure. What are you talking about? We watched that thing a hundred times. There's no face. So we advanced it one frame at a time. And in one frame, you can see what looks like a skull right in the middle of this thing's black shape. It, it had That's to not been, disturbing. It had to have been seven and a half feet tall because the head was at the top of the doorway. And its shoulders were about that wide. Holy and we're, crap. All, we're all looking at this woman like, how the heck did you catch that? One of those she, things. She was the pro from Dover as far as seeing that sort of thing. Oh. She she had uh, psychic abilities. And I, probably wow. her, her third eye clicked in just at the right moment and she saw the skull. But that was in the basement of this hospital. And uh, they've seen a nun. Uh, when the hospital was still working, a nun would get into an elevator and go up to the sixth floor. Except she was wearing the long black habit. Uh, Habit, habit, yeah, habit. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. With the with the white habit, <clears throat> they didn't have those in Laredo for the last ooh, fifty years. Well, she, but she, she was, was. I mean, most of the hospitals in that part of Texas were founded by the Sisters of Charity, so mm -hmm. she was probably a Sisters of Charity nun no, she, from. She was. It was Sisters of Mercy here in Laredo. Sisters of Mercy there in Laredo. Uh -huh. um, anyway, she she was yeah. probably one of those nuns from nineteen hundred or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they would see her get in the elevator and, and go up to the sixth floor, but they'd never see her get off the elevator. Sometimes she had a kid with her, a little kid. On the sixth floor of the hospital was a chapel, and the, there were a group of nuns that lived up there, but they didn't they didn't dress in black. They wore blue, mm -hmm. uh, but they would see this woman all the time, and they still, on occasion, see her today. Because I talked to a lot of the police officers that patrol the area, and they keep a close eye on that hospital because kids are always going in there. Right, people are vandalizing it. They're still seeing a nun running around in the hospital at night. Really good burglar deterrence. <laughs> but a ghost <laughs> nun? That's not exactly scary. No, but, but interesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that. We got a monster <laughs> in the basement. We got a nun on the sixth floor. And, uh, Chris, do you remember the old Jeff Davis Hospital in Houston? Mm. Out on Allen Parkway? The one that they turned into an art colony? I think they just tore it down and made office buildings there. I don't really remember, but it was a it was a huge old brick southern building. And it was the it was the big public safety net obstetrics hospital there in Houston. So Mm. Babies, 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 babies. Mm -hmm. uh, I worked there for a while, mm. and, and there were tunnels all beneath that hospital mm -hmm. to get to the morgue, to get to storage areas, to get to medical records. You had to go down in these tunnels. 
It was the spookiest place you can ever imagine. I mean, just being there was spooky. Yeah. Never saw a thing. Hmm. I, I And I, I would even go down there thinking, look, if I'm going to see a ghost, this is the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, well, you know, very few people actually see ghosts. I mean, even paranormal investigators that do it all the time, an actual sighting of an apparition is really is rare. I still haven't seen one and I've spent, you know, probably a thousand hours in places. It was the uh, most unspectacular thing I've ever seen. Well, my but wife this is the I, point. My oh, wife and I are, are at the new Mercy Hospital, not the old one. The old one's haunted. We're at the new hospital. We're there to visit somebody. We walk over to the elevators. There's two on one side, two on the other, and you can approach the elevators from four different hallways. We come around the corner and a man comes from the emergency department and he is in a hurry. He's got that. I got to get upstairs quick. Look, I got to get somewhere fast. He's got dark hair. It's combed. He's clean shaven. He's wearing a white shirt, no necktie. It's unbuttoned one time at the neck. He's got the sleeves rolled up twice at each wrist. He's got on black pants with a black shiny belt, no cuffs on his pants, and he's got on dress shoes. I was in law enforcement for a while. He gets on the elevator. So me and my wife, we stop and, we, you know, the doors have already closed. Let's wait a second. Let him get on his hurry way. So I stood there and I actually waited two or three seconds before I pushed the call button. I pushed the button and the same cab opens right in front of us. There's nobody there. My first thought is I'm seeing things. I'm going nuts. I'm going to check into the, the Laugh Academy. But my wife says, we're sorry, we didn't mean to. And she's looking around the elevator. And I asked her, what did you see? Describe (laughs) the man. And she described the exact same guy. Oh, yeah. And he was about five foot eight, five foot nine tall. He gets on the elevator. The doors close. Three seconds, he's gone. What? Question here. Yes. Uh. And, and, and it goes back to your original story where we began about talking about haunted places. Uh-huh. But uh, it, 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 it's amazing to me that the whole conversation that we're having right now, could it, could it be that everything that we're talking about right now uh, Josh passed me a note that's very spot on, in my opinion. It's called demonic mimicry. Mm-hmm. Could it be? Could it be the demonic mimicking things of the familiar to affect the people of today? I can see that with the little girl. That's the question. But I couldn't see it with the guy in the elevator because that that's 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 well when 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 you were talking about the little girl that even that even mm-hmm. spoke to me there. But I think I mean I mean you know the great thing about this show and all these guys this is just my opinion mm-hmm. that a lot of it is is demonic mimicry. Mm-hmm. to mimic the things of a natural world to 
affect the people of the world, to drive them to fear or anxiety or depression or things of that nature. And, and you know, I, I, I would just like to hear your guys' thoughts on that. Well, <clears throat> I don't really like to go into the story. I did a podcast about it. But there you go. The only okay. thing that I have seen that I would say feels felt ghostly was all was still living. I mean, I, I saw it was a, a kid who had come into the hospital with insane brain damage. His g- girlfriend had uh-huh. taken a twenty five caliber. Beretta or something and just, you know, move the gun around his head and just shot. Now, a 25 caliber weapon like that will enter the skull, but there's not enough power for it to get out of the skull and it'll just bounce around in there. So he essentially had scrambled eggs in his brain or in his skull. He wasn't dead. He still had enough lower function in the brain to breathe um, and this kind of thing. It, oh my it, God. It, it is. Oh my God. I mean, one of the things that, that, uh, <laughs> happened with that was, all right, hell, let's go all the way. Uh, heck, let's go all the way. Um, yeah, yeah, go all the way. He, he had, um, when a patient is that sick or that badly injured, they're normally intubated and they're on a ventilator. Uh, your body doesn't like being ventilated, your body doesn't like having a tube in its throat. And it'll fight against that. And, I mean, fight hard. This is a young, healthy guy before he got shot. But they'll you'll buck. Against, it's called bucking. You'll buck against that ventilator. You're trying to cough that tube out. You're trying to, you know, forcefully get that tube out. And what happens is all the pressures in your body go up. The pressures in your abdomen, the pressures in your chest, and the pressures in your skull when this happens. When there would be those peaks in pressure, little fountains of brain matter would come out of the various holes in his head. And I I was to a point in my career at that point, and Chris can probably understand this, where just nothing bothered me. I mean, I I could just pretty, I could just pretty much see anything. This bothered me. It, it It was like, this was the point where the clinical detachment went away. Okay. I would be walking out. Well, I would be walking out at that point. No, we, I, we can't deal with that. He was He <laughs> was in, this was at, well, I'll tell you where it was. It was at the old Spring Branch Hospital in Houston. And he was in ICU bed one, which was the bed closest to the nurse's station, right next to the medication room. We had all kinds of patients in that, in that unit. Several times I saw the same young man standing next to the bed, making beckoning motions. Help me. Uh, it was, it was by every, every definition, a ghost, but it was the ghost of a person who was still alive. Oh, we have, uh, stories like that in our family. My, uh, I've had an uncle who was in a horrific car crash and my grandmother was at home 
with a couple of other kids. And she turned around and she saw my uncle in the doorway. And she's like, what are you doing here? I thought you were gone. And then he disappears right in front of her eyes. And she gets a phone call saying, your son has been in a horrible accident. And that's happened a few times wow. in my family. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. From from my point of view, with the things that we've investigated and and I would guess as as much as Chris has done with uh with the team there, you run into stuff that's negative, stuff that's not doesn't seem demonic, but just seems unpleasant, like grumpy, irritable, just doesn't want to deal with you. And then you have stuff that's just benign. There's no negativity to it. There's there's no evil tone, feel, timber, anything like that. And I have a hard time believing that all of that is demonic. Um, I don't see the end game. I don't see the purpose of it. Now, maybe that's just me not seeing the long-term plan, but, you know, we've had discussions like this on, on JJ's discord about whether, you know, mm-hmm. what does scripture say about ghosts? And there's ghosts in there. It supports the idea of ghosts. It doesn't say what mm-hmm. they are. doesn't say where they're from. Yeah. Is it people in purgatory? Maybe. Is it people that haven't moved on yet? I, maybe, I, I don't know. Um, but there are it does seem to me that there's things with with that we see investigating that there's no demonic aspect to it. Would you agree with that, Chris, from from what you guys have seen? It's it's one of those things that a lot of people will try to say they they'll try to put it in a box. It's gonna go in this box, this box, or this box, as opposed to just saying we don't know where to put any of this stuff. Don't have any idea. It, it's like the right. Bigfoot question. Hell what well, is Bigfoot? Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. And yeah. if people would admit, we don't know, I think a lot of people would be a lot happier. There'd be a lot fewer arguments. Uh, <laughs> Not the truth. It's, it's these people that all of a sudden they know because they got a book that they want to sell or they've got a TV show that they've got to produce. And so they're going to come up with these statements that it's going to lead to an argument. A lot of, I don't know, we're getting off the subject just yeah. a little bit here with Bigfoot. Well, but there, there's no getting off the subject in the paranormal rundown. There, we are got, one long tangent. <laughs> no, you've got hundreds of witnesses of Bigfoot activity that is paranormal. Uh, mm-hmm. The creature has suddenly vanished from sight right there mm-hmm. in front of their eyes, or they're following the footprints in the snow. And all of a sudden, they just disappear. Now, the experts get all upset when you tell them this, and they'll just stop listening to you. I am what's referred to as a woo. It means that my mind is open enough that I will believe that Bigfoot is something other than a big ape. Uh, I don't care. Well, get- there, there, there's, one, there's one thing that I've learned over 31 years of ministry is that Mike Birdsong doesn't know a daggum thing. So, <laughs> so trust me, I'm open to anything. 
<laughs> yeah, the, the the sooner people admit that they don't know something, that's when you can learn something. But exactly. when you when you think you, exactly. you know it all, exactly. it's like man, the older I get, the less I know. It's just one of those things. Absolutely. So um, we don't we don't know what a ghost is. We can we can define them by name. Poultry ghost. Oh, that's a noisy ghost. Uh, doppelganger. That's uh, a ghost of a living person, like the the patient you had. Uh, don't know that it was a doppelganger, that's, but that's, that's what I would call it. But we've got names for them, but we don't really know what they are. They could all be the same thing, or they could be hundreds of different things. You know, until we can actually sit down and interview these suckers, boy, wouldn't that be a podcast? We may never yes. know. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah, I'd love to have that podcast. Mm. <laughs> well, absolutely. Since since we found our first rabbit hole, do you guys uh-huh. rem- do you guys remember the Art Bell episode where he had the guy on with the real time spirit box? Yes, and uh, he, the Spiritcom or whatever the yeah Spiritcom, and you could <laughs> ask you could ask the box questions. It was a particular doctor he was talking to, or mm. supposed to be talking yes. to, and he he and this doctor was supposed to be doing research over in the spirit world. Mm-hmm. And he had, I mean, they'd say things like, well, Dr. So-and-so, or, you know, when are you going to be able to communicate with us? Oh, we're working on it really hard over here. We'll be there pretty soon. Don't worry about it. We're just giving it all we got. And, <laughs> and it sounded kind of like that. <laughs> and, and then, uh, of course, a few weeks later, they found out that he had pre-recorded yes. all, of these re- all of these responses. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I can I can remember Bell. Bell wasn't pissed. He was just, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he was the ultimate when it came to interviewing anyone. Yes, he was. As long as you would answer his questions, mm-hmm. he would let you run with it. It's it's whenever you got to that point, well, you're gonna have to buy my book to find out. Oh, he out. got pissed about that. Yes. Oh, he he'd did. hang up on you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I actually got to talk to him one time for Did you? Yes, uh, when he did Dark Matter, yeah, uh, that was my that was my Satanists on the river story. So wait, wait, wait. So Dark Matter was when he went to uh, he, XM. He retired. Series? Yes, he retired yeah. from coast to coast because his son was dying, and he yeah. wanted to stay home with his family. Mm-hmm. Well, then I don't. I never heard whether his son made it or not. I, I never. He was he very came, private. He came back when that situation was ended. He came back, he started doing the show again. He did it for a while, and then he... It was when his wife died. And he decided, that's it, I'm done, I'm not going to do this anymore. He was pissed off at the world, Mm -hmm. and that's when George Norrie took over the show. And then a friend of Art Bell's drug him to the Philippines to try to get him out of his head, and Mm -hmm. he comes back... And that, that's when he married. Her name was Aaron. Aaron, yes, eighteen-year-old, <laughs> yeah, uh, nineteen-year-old. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the marriage lasted. It, yeah, it worked. They had a kid. Yeah, the marriage uh, lasted. But um, that guy, I, yeah, he had dark matter for a while. That was the XM show, and I got to tell my weird story on there. 
that was before <laughs> I had a podcast, before I'd written a book. But uh, the things you see when you don't expect it. Uh, I, you want? I don't know if you want me to. Well, look, you, you can't. You can't tease us. If you bring it up, you got. Okay. Okay. <laughs> when I joined the Border Patrol, oh, I didn't mention that, did I? I spent 26 and a half years of my life as a patrol agent, uh, patrolling the southern border of the United States, and I was a paramedic at the same time. So that's the long and the short of that part. The first year that we were here, there were two trainees for every single journeyman in our station. We had tripled the staff at the building. So whenever we had passed our probationary period, they said, you two trainees, well, we weren't trainees anymore. You two agents get in that car, go patrol down south and stay out of trouble. Well, the, the big thing, stay out of trouble. So we drive down south from Laredo and we come to this one spot that we used to call One River Place. It was one mile south of the rest area. Had to call it something. And we see a bonfire up on a hill. Now, you don't normally see bonfires. There's nobody down there. That so we drive to towards it. We drive towards it to see what's going on, thinking that maybe somebody's bringing some dope across because they don't know that we now have enough manpower to work midnights. We pull up on this scene. There's 15 to 20 people wearing long, brown, hooded robes. They're all barefoot. They're standing around a bonfire with their hands up like this, chanting. We pull up to the group, they turn and they look at us, and two of their groups start running towards us. We're looking at these people, it's like, freedom of religion, I don't see any laws being violated here, let's get the <laughs> heck out of here. <laughs> Did any of you all ever see a movie called Race with the Devil? Uh -uh. Peter Fonda and Hit Warren Oates. The two guys on vacation with their wives, they drive up on a group of Satanists, uh, through the rest of the movie, they're being chased by these people, and everybody dies in the end. And I'm thinking about that movie, looking at these people, because that's what I'm looking at. <laughs> so I throw the car into reverse, and I hit the gas, and we shot backwards. I did a 90-degree turn without hitting anything. In the dark, we get out on the highway, and now we're like, now what? what? Do we just see? Who do we call? There are no sheriff's deputies working that part of the world. They're, our nearest backup is 20 minutes away. And we didn't really see any crime. Be there was no dead body lying on the ground. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we kind of voted between the two of us. That we're just not going to mention this to anybody. Because mm -hmm. you don't want to have the reputation as <laughs> being nuts. Especially your first year on the job. Because you've got 20, 30 years ahead of you to live with it. Well, I made it to my 20th year and all of a sudden you become like almost untouchable because all somebody has to do is upset you a little bit. You just say, okay, that's it. I retire. I'm out of here. So the supervisors, they kind of dance around you. Nobody messes with you. So I'm sitting there thinking, well, I've got this story rattling around inside my head and I really like listening to Art Bell. I wonder if he'd be interested in listening to me. So I called into the show and I was on the radio with Art Bell. And I also, I received about 30 phone calls after the fact from all the guys at work saying, Hey, I 
I heard your story. <laughs> they, they were out there listening why, to our bells. Oh, yeah. We know why didn't you tell us? And it's like, well, I've got 20 years in now. That so what is you... what got me on the road. My wife told me I should write a book about it. You know, I was like, yeah, you know, it's a page and a half. Well, add stuff to know. it. Yeah, add to it. You mean fiction? Well, I wrote a book called Ragman, which I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, it's probably a horrible book. I've never gone back and reread it, but I wrote it and I printed it. Uh, That's the but very best it, way to do something, though. Just jump into it, it was, and do it. It was practice working up to doing the Laredo Paranormal Research Society, Fort McIntosh and the Paranormal, uh, Laredo Paranormal, and, no, Paranormal Laredo and more Paranormal Stories, which are my nonfiction stories that I've written. It was a golem uh, made out of rags. Uh, you know what a golem is? Oh, wow. Okay. It was a That's... golem that this guy had created, and he would stick the magic scroll in, and it would go do nasty, horrible thing. It was a nasty book. We're did talking bloodshed. Sc- did it have the yeah, scroll this... in its mouth? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. But uh, I had a lot of uh, aggression to get out of my system since I'd just gotten out of law enforcement, and you know, you're like, so. I put it all into the book. Uh, there I are think some, that's awesome. There are some scenes in there that I <laughs> people getting ripped in half, and you know, just it was a Freddy Krueger meets Michael Myers, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, all all in one. Yeah, well, that's nice. what golems do. I mean, that's a golem's job is to yeah. you know, rip people in half who are threatening the community. Mm-hmm. But it got me to writing, which got that's me into podcasting. Excellent. Which got me here. <laughs> well, it's um, that's an amazing story because I've my my family has one just like it. Um, my mom was on a date with my dad. They were at a park, and it had gotten pitch black at night, and they see a group of hooded figures coming over the hill toward them. Mm -hmm. They were dead silent. Wow. Yeah. And they just kept marching toward them. They got freaked out, tried to hop in the car. This car, which was a Camaro at the time, uh, it had a tendency to flood out. They couldn't get it to start. They were almost at the hood before she finally was able to peel out and drive away. But that scared the ever-living piss out of them. And I mm. could not imagine witnessing it firsthand. Since I, when people heard my story on the radio, I've heard from five or six different people that have had similar uh, occurrences. They've, they've run into these people. We don't know who they are. We don't know what they're doing. But everybody says that it felt evil when they were there. It's like, oh, if I stay here, I'm not going to see the sun come up. So, and like I said, all the different people that have heard me talking Dart Bell and they're all saying that happened to them too. And now with your, you said it was your my your mom. sister, your mother. Mm-hmm. Just, she didn't happen to notice were they like barefoot or anything like that? I don't know, but I will find out and I will tell you. Because it's, it's the connection to the earth. That's all I know. I don't know why they do it, but I, I've been told when you're barefoot, you're you're grounded, 
with the plan. Grounded. Yeah. And these people were barefoot and you don't walk barefoot in Texas. But no. These these people were all barefoot. <laughs> <laughs> and the mesquite. And we're talking in the brush. JJ, uh, just a quick question here. Um on 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 the same lines of what Chris is talking about right now of how this of how these situations affect the time and space is right now in your experience would that not be the same thing as what we were talking about earlier in an earlier show about um I think I think you were talking about Japan about the evil eye where someone can do something wrong and then everybody just looks at them and then all of a sudden crap starts happening. Oh yeah. So, um, the, the onomatopoeia for that sound is G and that's right. If you live there long enough, you begin to participate in this. It is everything is so community focused that if someone is obviously violating a rule, whether that is eating on a train, whether it's making very loud sounds, everyone will pivot their head at the exact same bloody time and stare these people down. And it's such a common occurrence. People have a sound that they associate with that in their heads. So, yeah, I think it could be something like that. But going back to one last thing, and this, I think, this kind of like rat goes back to the very beginning of the topic. One of the most haunted places right. in Japan, and there are numerous and they're called power spots or power spots is the sunshine 360 building. It is in Tokyo itself in Ikebukuro, which is a ward. And it is a, ironically enough, it is a building which has a renown for being a very happy place. Uh, there is a Yurinji, an amusement park in the building. Uh, there's an aquarium in the building. It's very kids friendly. However, the ground in which that building is built upon just happened to be the execution spot for prisoners of war where they would chop their heads off with swords. Ah, and there are more horror stories out of that building. And like I've been there, I didn't really get a creepy sense to anything. Um, but I've been to other power spots in Japan, such as especially Aokigahara, and I did an entire episode on this. Uh, the Jukan, the su- the suicide forest, and I was there for all of fifteen minutes, and I heard sounds I've never heard before. I had the entire back of my head standing up on end. And even though I'm the one who died to go there, was like, we have to visit this place because I've been reading about this joint for the past five years. I booked it out of that joint. I'm like, nope, uh -uh. I have gone a hundred yards into this woods. We took a photo and I'm like, nope, let's go. I'm out. (laughs) So JJ, are you saying you don't want to go when I go back to Japan? I will never step foot in those woods again. Because <laughs> that is on my is list now. Me. That's on my bucket list. <laughs> it's worth right. going because you can go to these fire and ice caves. These are joints in which 
If they existed in the U.S., they would be sued into oblivion on day one, if not hour <laughs> one. But they have these gigantic cardboard cutouts because the owners, they can't speak anything but Japanese. And they want to get the point of how dangerous these joints are because they're filled with ice and they're slippery as anything. So there's these giant cardboard dioramas that show you all the ways that you can die in these caves. And they are beautiful. I mean, they really are good works of art in and of themselves. So, I've always been of the opinion that I re- I've lived a very dull like life. Right. Like, Why? Nothing. Nothing. I don't. It, I grew up listening to a guy's stories. He was in World War II. He was a radio operator on a B-17 bomber, and he was my dad's friend, and so he was over to the house a lot. And every time he came over, he had to tell about getting shot down in Europe. And the first time he got shot down over Belgium, and it's one of these deals, he's the radio operator, I don't remember how many missions he's been on. He gets a call, the, the plane has been shot all the heck. They're throwing things out of the plane to try to make it light enough to get back to England. Finally, the pilot says, that's it. We're not going to make it. Everybody jumps. So Arnold, that's the radio operator, he's got to get on the radio and call the squadron leader and tell them they're not going to make it. And the squadron leader, he's already out over the English Channel. Because if you don't keep up with the pack, well, too bad. Yeah. So he calls and he says, whatever the name of their designation was, we're not going to be home for dinner. Then he runs and he jumps out of the airplane. And he said... If the, the United States always, no, wait, I, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. Anyway, he jumps out of the plane and he doesn't see any other parachute, just his. And he comes down to the ground and he hits the ground and he doesn't know what the heck to do. He doesn't know where he is. He was half asleep when the plane was flying. A group of Belgian, uh, not soldiers, the uh, partisans came. They find him, they grab him, and they hide him in a barn. He spent weeks being moved from barn to barn because there's German patrols out looking for downed aviators. They smuggled him out of Europe through Turkey because the entire, through Turkey, because the entire channel is pregnant with soldiers, but there aren't any out to the West. So the easiest way to get him out of the country was through Turkey. So they smuggle him out of Turkey. They get him on a boat. They take the boat. They run it up to England. They put him back in England. And it's okay. You've been shot down. You get two weeks to go home and see your family. Well, they had told (laughs) his wife. They told his wife that he'd been killed. They never told her he wasn't dead. He shows up at the door. He knocks on the door. She opens the door. She sees him. Passes out. Passes out. Well, his leave gets cut short. He gets sent back to England. He gets put on another plane with another crew. They send him back into the bomb Germany. He gets shot down over Germany. Oh, he gets shot down something. No, he's in France. So he hits the ground, and now he knows that the partisans are going to come get him. He's just got to stay away from the Germans. They come, they grab him, they hide him in a barn, they smuggle him. Here, they put him there, they're running from the Nazis in the daytime and at nighttime. Finally, they tell him, okay, we've gotten a hold of England. And they said they're going to send a boat to pick up you and this British guy. 
But here's the catch. The boat isn't going to slow down. You have to jump on it as it goes by. Aha. So him and this British guy, they, they barely know each other. They, they spent most of the time asleep. They're standing at the end of a pier, and they see this boat coming. It's called a torpedo boat. And he said it's hitting about every third wave. And they're both looking at, there's no way in the heck we're going to get on that boat. It's going 100 miles an hour. So him and this British guy, they're thinking, okay, what do we do? Well, suddenly, here comes a German patrol up behind them. Okay, well, now we don't have any choice. we got to run to the end of this pier and somehow get on that boat. So they're running down this pier as fast as they can go. And he said everybody in the German army is shooting at them with everything they've got. The British guy gets hit. Uh, his head disappeared. Oh, my gosh. The guy said that the body kept running like two or three steps, and then it fell over. Well, now this guy's running twice as fast knowing that there's a bullet right behind his head. And he runs off the end of the pier and he turns and he looks and he said, the boat is about a hundred yards away. And he thinks he's going to fall in the water and the boat's going to run him over. He'll probably get killed by the propellers. But as he falls towards the water, the boat magically appeared under him. Oh, He hits the deck. They take him back to England. They put him on a ship. They send him back to the United States. He goes to see his wife, who has been told he was dead again. Oh, my gosh. They, they send him back to England, put him on another plane, third plane, send him back to Germany. They get shot down a third time. He bails out the third time. He lands in the middle of the Battle of the Bulge. He crawls oh, on his I would hand. get back in a plane if I was this guy. In the he dictionary under bad luck, they've got this guy's yeah. picture. Yeah. He crawls on his hands and knees through a cornfield up to the American lines, and he says, hey, I'm an American flyer. I got shot down. I'm coming in. Don't shoot. They said, what's the password? He said, what password? They said, don't come any closer. We'll shoot. What password? He didn't know that the, the uh-huh. German soldiers that spoke English had been told that they were being secretly trained to fly to Paris to kill Eisenhower. And so now everybody that's not in your unit is suspected as being a spy. So now this guy thinks, okay, the Americans are going to kill me, so I'm going to go back. I'm going to surrender to the Germans because it's cold out here and he's hungry. <laughs> so he's crawling through the brush and he finds out about what happened at Bastogne, where the Nazis killed all the prisoners. And he's like, great. The Nazis are killing the prisoners. The Americans are threatening to kill me, and I'm stuck here in the middle. So he's running back and forth as the Americans and the Germans are advancing and retreating. Well, finally, he notices that there's this group of guys, and they speak English, but they sound kind of funny. The Canadians. So he crawls up to the Canadians, and he says, hey, I'm an American flyer. I've been shot down. If I come into y'all's camp, are you going to shoot me? And they're like, "Ah, no, but... uh, we can't just let you wander around. So they took him prisoner, but at least he's alive. Yes. They fed him. They turned him over to the MPs who put him in a German prisoner of war camp with Germans. With Germans. <laughs> he didn't speak a word of German. Oh, his last name was Roth. Oh, a very German family. Very German name. Yeah. He was, he was first generation American. So he's standing there in this this huge thing, thousands of German soldiers. They're all looking at him like, that guy's a spy. Should we kill him? 
<laughs> no, no, we don't want to kill him because then the MPs will take it out on us. So he spent two weeks in a prisoner of war camp full of Germans. They finally, they came, they said, yeah, that guy right there, he's, he's one of ours. Turn him over to us. And he was released from the prisoner of war camp. Each time this happened, they gave him another social security number, a uh, service number. <laughs> so by the time he got out of the army, he had four social security numbers. Now, I grew up hearing these stories from this guy, so I felt like I, I never did anything. I stayed home. I, I joined the army, but I never left the country. And so I've got a pretty dull life just filled with insane well, stories. Just about everybody has a dull life if you <laughs> if that's your comparison. No, <laughs> I, mean, mm -hmm. I bet you that that guy had a very quiet life. Mm -hmm. after he, he those events <laughs> he was a bricklayer uh he went to work uh 40 hours a week uh now here's my question what was his explanation for the boat no idea boats 100 yards away well boats under was, him it was a i mean did he night. feel like he misunderstood no. or like it was god's way of yeah it you was did the middle enough. of the night there's not a light on anywhere and the only way they can tell where the boat is by the sound of the engine. So he was mm -hmm. guesstimating, you know, the boat's over there somewhere. Plus, every time he told the story, it got more interesting. I bet it did, yeah. Got a little farther <laughs> away. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I am, I am sitting here amazed at some of the stories that you have. <laughs> and, and I have, I have, I've listened to, uh, I, I got to be honest. I just I, I just started listening, and I probably listened to about maybe three of your episodes so far. And uh, I I stand amazed and intrigued. But guys, forgive me, and 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 I'm I'm the new guy on the block, so these guys just have to reel me in at times and tell me when I'm heading off space, but. I just, I just, I just have one question for you, and I think all the guys would love it. What is the most interesting experience that you've ever had? That's a great question. Well, possibly that tall, skinny white guy that I saw under the railroad bridge coming back from San Antonio while listening to Coast to Coast. Uh, we'd gone to San Antonio because there's not a whole lot to do in Laredo. Uh, it's, uh, well, we just don't have anything to do here except go to restaurants and eat. So we went to San Antonio. I don't even know why we went. We did something. We're coming back. It's around midnight, but I had an XM radio player in my truck, so I could listen to Art Bell from 9 o'clock at night till 6 o'clock in the morning, the different shows. And as I'm coming up on the railroad bridge, it does an S curve under the bridge. So you got to kind of slow down and you have to watch traffic because a lot of people in the left-hand lane are going to try and exit onto Shiloh, which is right around the next corner. And uh, a lot of 18 wheelers will do that. So I slowed way down as I'm coming up on the railroad bridge. And as I'm coming around the first corner, I look and there's this skinny white character creature crawling up the cement embankment the embankment is about like this 
it's a 45 degree angle and it's ref textured. So you really can't crawl up that thing, but he's going up that thing on his hands and knees. And when I saw him, it's like, that don't, that doesn't look natural. It doesn't look human, but I'm staring at this guy. I've already got my foot off the gas. My truck is like coasting to a stop as I'm passing and I'm staring at this guy and he is as skinny as you can get. You can see the joints. He looked like a, like a concentration camp survivor. And I'm thinking I should stop and see what's wrong with this guy. But at the same time, I'm thinking, I got my wife in the truck with me. I'm not on duty. I don't have a, uh, I don't have a duty to act here. So I kept going. I hit the gas and we get home and I told my wife what I'd seen. And she said, it sounded like a really bad drug addict. Probably a good thing you didn't stop because, well, you know, how drug addicts can suddenly come unglued. So we met a couple of guys in Jefferson, Texas at a Bigfoot conference, uh, Cam, Cam Hale and Kyle Filson. They do a mm-hmm. podcast called Expanded Perspectives. Expanded Perspectives, yeah. And as soon as I met these guys, I find out about their podcast, I start listening, and I listen to the story about the rape. That's and I exactly thought, what I was thinking. That yeah. sounds like what I saw. I don't think it was the rake anymore because the rake was a name given to an entity. They have something else called the pale crawler that is more uh, descriptive of what this thing looked like. Now, I never saw the face. I just saw it from the back of the head. I'm writing the book, Paranormal Laredo. And I, I just, this is how I do it. You feel free to use this idea if you want. All you need are some business cards and a notebook. You walk up to somebody, total stranger, and you say, have you ever seen a UFO or a ghost? or Bigfoot, or whatever you're interested in. Once they stop backing up, you hand them your business card, and you say, I'm a writer, and I'm looking for stories for my next book. About one out of ten will give you a story. Some of them are okay. Some of them are just like one or two lines. But I was doing this all over Laredo, trying to find stories. I met three different people who said, I was driving on 35, coming south, And I saw this tall, skinny creature either running across the road or running through the brushes on the side of the highway, right in and around the railroad bridge. Hmm. Now, it's gotten to a point, anytime I approach the railroad bridge, I I slow down to like 30, as long as there's nobody behind me. And I'll, you know, I'm looking in the bushes, I'm looking up in the rafters. Unfortunately, now with the new highway, they over, they bypass the railroad bridge, so uh, don't any don't go anywhere near it now. But just the idea that there were other people that saw the same thing I did over several year period of time, and I have no idea what it was. It looked solid. It looked alive. It also looked kind of demonic and uh, very creepy. Did it have clothing? Nope. That was going to be my question. Nothing. Unfortunately, that what has been seen cannot be unseen, and I saw way too much of this guy's anatomy. <laughs> way more than you wanted to see. Guy's anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, okay, so at least rakes can reproduce, maybe. Well, rake, <laughs> I, I prefer the pale crawler. <laughs> just, you just say rake, and everybody goes, oh yeah, that was that 
whatever that pot, that that website is called. But if you say so, tail crawler, they don't know what you're talking about. Right. So the distinction you're making between the two is is one was a particular instance of a, this thing, and the pale crawler is like all other instances. But you're calling it basically the same thing. It's the same thing. It's just two different okay. names. Got it. Uh, like a Sasquatch or a Bigfoot. Well, I've run into a lot of drug addicts. I mean, mm-hmm. I can think of drug addicts that, you know, drug users at Ben Taub and yeah. not the same kind of story, but, uh, you know, how hospitals are, you get new, new, uh, new crops of residents coming through. Okay. I mean, a resident's a really dangerous thing till they've been there. <laughs> it's like a second lieutenant. <laughs> It's a really dangerous thing. So anyway, this policeman brings this guy in and you can just tell that he's, I mean, you know, he's covered in his own feces and he's screaming and he's, you get the picture. He was handcuffed. This um, female resident comes up and she's very much into making sure the patients are treated humanely. And she says, I want that patient removed from those handcuffs immediately. And the policeman kind of looks at her and like, yeah, I don't think you want to do that. <laughs> and she, I told you what to do. Do not talk about the policeman says, okay. <laughs> he, he takes these handcuffs off this guy who immediately, and, and this is, if you think I'm lying, I promise you I'm not. He immediately reaches up and pulls his right eye out of his skull. Completely optic nerves. Dude, the whole what? He pulled his no, right no, eye no, out no, of his no, skull. No, 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 no. <laughs> Father Birdsong, you've not spent, I hope, as much time around crazy drug drug addicts as I have. But there is, I have been called to the hospital on many situations, but never for a guy that pulled his daggum eyeball out of his skull. Uh, my and, Lord, my and, God. And, and so the, she goes, and at that point, she goes, put him back on, put him back on, put him back on. <laughs> That's weird. I, yeah. I feel horrible yeah. here that I'm, I'm laughing about the horrible misfortune. misfortune That's all you of, can do. If of, you don't this, laugh about it, you'll cry about it. Of, of this that's, poor man. That's funny, man. I mean, uh, that's, well, that's funny. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I doubt. It's horrible, but funny. <laughs> Once somebody is that far down on drugs, mm-hmm. their lifespan is pretty limited. Oh, yeah. Yeah, their, their lifespan is pretty yeah. limited. But I would think he probably had hoped to go through that lifespan with two eyes. Once they get to that point, uh, it's... Uh, I don't even think they're really alive. I think it's just the body has refused. The to body up. has hasn't figured oh. it out yet. So because mm-hmm. they get to a point where there is no coming back. You could you could take the drugs away from them. You could give them a a good meal three times a day and a bed to sleep in. I think they're still going to go because they're just there's nothing left. Okay, so have you ever spent any time driving around the old parts of the Big Bend National Park? I've never gotten up. I went to El Paso several times, but I've never Mm -hmm. been to the park. Well, there's Big Bend is a huge thing. And and there are all these places where uh, there there really aren't very many rangers out there watching things. Mm -hmm. And there's a part of it where there are these old adobe huts that people have, (coughs) excuse me, once lived in. I guess settlers, farmers, whatever, ranchers. Mm -hmm. Before it was a park. 
before it was a park. Yeah. And they're, they're still there. And I was out there with my wife and I said, I want to go see what's in those huts. My wife being far more intelligent than I was said, I don't think that's really a good idea. I promise you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. So stop the car, walk across this field, heading over to the huts. I get about 25 yards away and a, a naked woman comes out of the door of one of the huts with a shotgun. <laughs> At which point I decided that I think it's a good idea to go back to the car and tell my wife what a dumbass I am. <laughs> Didn't want to see inside the hut that much. <laughs> Didn't want to see inside okay. the hut anymore. <laughs> I question your commitment, but okay. <laughs> yeah, but see, Texas is a very, very... Look, Texas is not the South. Texas there's a is lot own, of it. There's a lot of it, and it is absolutely its own thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's not like Mississippi or Alabama or Georgia. Texas is its own thing. And um, I, I bet you hundreds of people have seen the skinny white guy with our clothing. <laughs> uh-huh. A lot of people won't talk about it. Because they're afraid of the the stigma. Oh, that guy's crazy. He sees things. What they don't realize is probably about 60% of the population sees things, but they're mm-hmm. too afraid to talk about it, especially the cops. I get a lot of really good stories from police officers by guaranteeing that I will not use their name in print. You know, I'll, I'll make up a name if I have to. I think I've used Carlos a few too many times just because <laughs> I can't remember. Like, how many times have I used this name? And it's an easy name to spell, unlike some of them. But they see things, they experience things, but they're afraid to tell anybody because they don't want to be that guy. And uh, well, it's like pilots seeing UFOs. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, they're, they're, yes, I saw it. I'm not going to say anything about it to uh-huh. anybody. Yeah. So uh, I know a guy who's a pilot and I've asked him a dozen times. It's always like, mm, no. And nope, then he'll ask me about UFOs. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, well do you guys want to take a spin through one last topic here? Yeah. Let's I would really that. enjoy that if it's okay with Chris. Oh, yeah. Sure. Well, I'll All pay right. for it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, we always do. So I. Yeah. Uh, the last round here, and then we can spin again here if uh, you don't find one you like. But we have alien abductions slash implants, utopian impulse, incubi succubi, Scotland and the big gray man, prions and prion illness, psychic images on walls, floors, etc. Hmm. Anything grab you? We haven't really talked about alien stuff or UFOs. I've never talked much about UFOs. I don't think I've ever had a podcast about UFOs. I've seen some UFOs. Some stories. Go for it. I've seen UFOs. Okay, I'll tell you my UFO sightings. Um, First off, I I spent six or seven years trying to be a pretty serious amateur astronomer and bought <coughs> some progressively better telescopes. Um, but the telescopes I liked using the most were just simple 
Dobsonian scopes. Okay, they're made out of a uh, concrete cardboard tube, like you pour footings with, and you mount a mirror and you mount a uh, eyepiece in there, and you mount it on Teflon and you just move it around by hand, just going through the sky trying to find interesting things to look at. Very low tech, but very very fun, at least for me. Now. Twice I've seen the big, huge black triangles. This is both the North. Both of these were in North Carolina, and I have no idea really how big these things were. I'm thinking two hundred yards on an edge, probably. And the reason that you see them isn't because they're emitting any light. I understand some people see lights at the corners. I never saw that, but they're occulting the stars behind them. So you'll look up there and you'll see a big blank area of stars. That's a perfect triangle. And then you can watch it just kind of silently move across the sky. Um, <clears throat> and never felt any fear, never felt any. I think they're military vehicles that came out of Pope Air Force Base there in, uh, in North Carolina. I don't know how they get them back there. I don't know where they store them. I don't know how they fuel them. But I saw those. Driving to my sister's house in Kentucky one time, we're driving down this country road, and I see a UFO up above a barn. It's uh, a number of lights that move consistently, uh, slowly, silently. Wife, kids in the car. Hey, guys, stop playing that game. Look up there. It's a UFO. Hey, look over there and look at that, uh, look at that UFO. Everybody else in the car looks up at it and says, yeah, that's a UFO. And they immediately went back to what they were doing. <laughs> You're kidding me. No, I'm not kidding you. They immediately went back to what they were doing. Like, You guys don't even find that interesting? Mm, no, not really, Dad. <laughs> now, the one that sticks in my mind, and uh, I think you can probably still find this report on MUFON or something, but... I was at a baseball game in Charlotte, North Carolina, watching my sons play Little League Baseball. And, you know, it wasn't all that great a baseball game. But I find myself out in the field, maybe 100 yards away from the baseball diamond, staring straight up. And it's like I was in a, a trance or something. It was like my mind was it felt like my mind was being controlled. So I'm looking up, and the first thing I realize is this doesn't feel right. There's something wrong with the way my mind is working right this moment. Let me see if I can snap out of this. So I do. I, you know, shake my, you know, what's causing me to feel this way? I look up, not very high up, maybe um, 150 feet. It, there was what I call the sky train. And it really seemed like a train. It was structure, metallic, long shipping container shaped things, longer than shipping containers, moving in unison across the sky. There was sound, and it was the standard kind of science fiction movie sound, kind of a sort of sound. And I stood there and just looked at it for a few minutes. Then I 
looked all around the baseball field, seeing if anybody else is seeing this thing. Nobody else was looking up at the sky. So what did I see there? Don't have a clue. But that's four UFO sightings I've had. Do you believe in UFOs? That well, I know they're out. I know there are UFOs. Yeah. I mean, I've seen them. <laughs> I've I've talked to people that have seen UFOs, and you ask them like, "Do you believe?" And they're like, "No, they're not real." Like, what hmm. did you see? <laughs> well, you, you now, can go ahead. Do you remember Art was, Bell's UFO side? Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. him and mm-hmm. uh, him and his first wife. They were driving through the Ramona. desert. Yes, mm-hmm. and. I also watched that god awful TV documentary that they had him on, where they spent the first hour talking about UFOs and people that saw them, and they spent the second hour pretty much saying all these people are crazy. Yeah, yeah that's that your was, standard TV documentary. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But yeah. <laughs> well, it's I, am- I also I I also personally um in in. When it comes to this subject, I will say I am the biggest skeptic. But, however, I cannot deny what I have seen. And uh, I remember uh, living in Georgia where I live, I'm very close to Warner Robins Air Force Base. So it's it's very easy for me to try to blame something on them. Mm -hmm. But, however... I was, I was on, uh, the lake one evening and, um, and this, this big object, that's the only way I can say it. And, and it was, it was kind of like a triangle shape as, uh, 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 Vic was saying. And my first rational, explanation well it may be something like a stealth bomber or something but then it was much bigger than that so i i i could not argue that fact but then the lights that were around it that was not your normal lighting of a aircraft uh and the only reason why I say that is I've been in the military and I've had people, you know, I mean, I, I, I know enough to be dangerous, so to speak, but I, I could not explain what the heck this thing was because it appeared right before my eyes, right above my head. And then about five seconds later, it was gone. I mean, absolutely no trace. So whether so a bomber, no, they're not going to disappear that quick. But like I said, I'm the biggest skeptic, but I can, I cannot deny what I saw. It was like a cloaked or something. Yes. I mean, it was, it was there. I saw it five seconds later. It was gone. You think I mean, it could have sped away? No trace. I, 
I have no idea what happened, but all I know, I was not the only one there. There was two other people with me that could verify the story, but it was, it was there. And then all of a sudden gone. I did not see it leave, but it was gone. It was gone. See, I don't have any trouble at all. As, as, far, as far as far as see, as, as, as far as far as saying it sped away. I, I believe I could have saw that, mm-hmm. but this thing just boom, it was gone. It's kind of like, kind of like Star Wars. They went into hyperspace all of a sudden. Yeah. You see, I have no trouble at all believing what you're talking about here. First off, because of who you are. Um, second off, I just think that there are, like Chris says, I think there are hundreds of thousands of people who see these things. And their response is just to say, yeah, I'm just going to file this over here and stuff I don't ever talk about again. No, that's true. Right. I mean, I, I've seen them myself. The most prominent uh, experience I had was I was a kid. I was in elementary school. But we, in our yard, we had two gigantic oak trees. Had to be 100 plus years old. And over the one that is closest to the old house, which I grew up in, my grandmother and I saw lights outside. We walk outside, and there is a hexagonal-shaped thing hovering about 200 yards above the tree. There are lights on each side of this thing. And then it's yep, gone. Yep. Yep. Now we live. My, my my family's house is very close to Fort Campbell. It's only about thirty five minutes away by car. So who knows what it was? I don't. But it was uh, it was enough that I can remember every single moment of that night, however many years ago that happened to be. I remember in ninety ninety one. It was either 91 or 92, probably 92. I was camping in the mountains above Fresno with a buddy of mine. We were up at it was about 7,500 feet. And you had this beautiful view over the Central Valley of California from there. I mean, the mountains, it just goes straight up. And this where we were camping was just right on the edge of that mountain. So you had a nice lookout. And we were sitting on a, a rock looking over the edge of that at the view. And it was nighttime. And we saw something come in uh, pretty fast. It was just a light. You know, I didn't see a craft. This wasn't that close to us. Um, but what I remember of it is I remember it moving in ways that nothing that we were aware of at the time craft could physically do right quick zips to the left zips to the right covering massive amounts of distance very very rapidly and then when it was done it like shot up into space i mean rockets don't go that fast i mean it was gone but you saw the light go all the way up right Mm -hmm. and 
you know, we just filed away as, well, that was interesting, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and all I remember from that is just moving oddly, but I, uh, I took my son. We, we stopped by this guy's house. Uh, he had moved over to the East Coast for a bit. And I stopped by to see him. We had dinner. I'm like, Hey, tell, tell my son about this story, this, this thing we saw. What he remembered was this thing came in, did odd stuff, but he remembered it separating into multiple lights mm. and moving around and then joining back together. And then the same thing zipped off into space. So I don't know, you know, it was a long time ago. My memory's not that great. So that may be what exactly happened. But at the time, we didn't have anything that could move that fast or change directions like that. Yeah, I see you grinning there, Vic. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I just, I, this is why I've, I don't talk a lot about UFOs. As I get to a point, it's like, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I the most imp- the most interesting part of UFOs to me, first off, are the things that I saw. I mean, what the heck's a sky train doing up there? You know, yeah, that's different. Yeah, you know, that's that that's, was that was before the Starlink uh, satellites, though, right? And and mid and uh, yeah, oh, way before. Yeah, this was right. this was uh, twenty five years ago. Go it's ahead, amazing how many people have reported the oh, uh, boy. You know, I I've see had pictures on multimedia all the time. I've had people knocking on my door, calling me and saying, and it's like, uh, that's a satellite. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A bunch of them. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. Uh, at least that's what we think. The experience, the experience that I had, it was probably back in 91, 92. But, but I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday. I mean, it's it's it's, it's something that I'll never forget. Well, this was my point with it, so, it swooping mean, off versus just disappearing. We were a distance right. from. I mean, we were miles, right? I mean, miles and miles from where this thing actually was. Uh, you know, probably fifty miles from where this light was. From that distance to see something shoot up into space, if you were right below it, I'm not sure you would actually see it that well. It, it might look like it almost disappears from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. Who remembers the book Communion? I do. I knew Chris would. You guys remember the book Communion? Remember the cover of that book? Uh-huh. Yes. Freaky. The, the, the little freaky um, gray, gray guy. Yep. Okay. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I probably shouldn't tell this story to job recruiters, um, but I can remember that book. So I read it, and they were talking. And he, Chris is looking for the book on his bookshelf. Yeah. <laughs> I need to. I need to put my books back in some kind of order. They're just throwing on there. <laughs> anyway, I can remember reading that book, and I'm thinking, hmm, I think I'd like to be abducted. I was living in Katy, Texas at the time. <laughs> well, I can see living in Katy how you'd want to be abducted. But... <laughs> so I knew a number of the rice farmers out west of Katy. And so I arranged with, you know, one of my friends out there. Hey, listen, I got a toy to pick up truck. I want to get a cooler. I want to get a, a lawn chair and a big, powerful flashlight. I'm going to go park out in your field. And I want to see if I can 
blink my flashlight and bring the aliens in to abduct me. Uh, and I did this for, I don't know, probably a dozen different nights. No luck. But uh, after reading the communion book, I was just thinking, well, somebody's out there being abducted. I want to see what they're really doing. If you look behind Chris right now, uh, there's an alien skull up there. Communion, and exactly, just look directly behind him, and there's the there's the front of the book (laughs) directly behind Chris, (laughs) right there. He usually take that thing to a book fair or some About, such, and I'll stick a baseball cap on it. I'll have it sitting <laughs> on the table. It, there you go. <laughs> I used to tell people I found that thing out on a ranch, and they would get all excited. They'd be turning it over <laughs> their hand, looking at They would completely miss the fact that the bottom of it's flat, and that it says Made in China on it. Made in China. <laughs> Chris, what is the little town uh, in Texas where the UFO was supposed to have hit the windmill? Aurora. They, Aurora, okay. Mm-hmm. West west of well, northwest from Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. If you want to know everything there is to know about Aurora, Texas, you need to get a hold of Daniel Jones from Vortex. Vortexes. Uh he's uh he's a MUFON member and uh he goes to Aurora a lot. In fact, he used to hang out with uh Jim Mars. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh there's several videos of day Daniel and Jim together at the Aurora Cemetery. I've I've never been there, but I did a show about the the crash several months ago. I can't remember exactly when, mm-hmm. but uh, it was uh, it was an interesting story, especially because at the time everybody said the guy was not from the Earth. Right. the The army officer that looked at it said, "This is not a human." The mm-hmm. priest that buried the guy said, this guy is not from our planet. And then all of a sudden, here comes the authorities. Oh, no, 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 this was a, this was a, a midget. Yeah, it was a mannequin. <laughs> the Air Force was using it. To, no, that's the wrong year. You know, they, they, they were killing themselves trying to come up with an explanation for what it was. Je- George Proctor didn't have a windmill. That's what they said. Well, yes, I can uh, remember all that. Uh, Bill Burns went to the site and they found where the windmill was mounted. <laughs> here's here's the four cement uh, things with the metal sticking up out of them. Hmm. But yeah, the experts, they, they it was a weather balloon. Okay, we didn't have weather balloons back then, but it was a predecessor <laughs> to the weather balloon. Predecessor to the weather balloon. Yeah, they, was, they go through they, all kinds mm-hmm. of hoops to mm-hmm. jump through all kinds of hoops to try to eliminate the story. What's scary is so many people will go, oh, okay, yeah, that's what it was. You know. Well, there, uh, look, I mean, the, the, there's plenty of things to talk about with a, a whole other Paranormal Rundown episode. One of them would be UFOs, you know, getting somebody who really knows something about UFOs. Because I, I don't. But the other thing is just this, look, <clears throat> this willingness to absolutely ignore very, very powerful evidence. Mm-hmm. of what people see and they do there people simply say oh well uh there's an explanation that's weather balloon i guess it's a weather balloon and there's something in their brains and their minds that says that's it i don't have any other curiosity about that so much and, fluoride 
too much fluoride. <laughs> well, I, I'm not made like that. And I, and I it's always confusing to me to uh-huh. see people who are made like that. So look what happened in in Congress. What was it? A couple of weeks ago, they had oh, four guys. They had four guys step up there and they swore on a stack of Bibles that they were going to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. <laughs> they said we had flying saucers at a secret military base. They said they have alien bodies at a secret military base. They said that people have seen these things. They got pictures of them. They got videos of them. And then the Air Force comes up and says, no, we don't. And who did everybody listen to? To the Air Force. Air Force. It's got to be the fluoride in the water. Got to be the fluoride. Well, gentlemen, it's been a fabulous night. Chris, I was telling, I was trying to tell you a few minutes ago that um, we have a Discord server running, and I I wrote to the guys just, uh, guys, this is awesome. Um, and I really think it has been. What's the Discord? Uh, Discord? Yeah. Discord was is a computer service that was originally designed for gamers. It's like your own little private Facebook kind of thing where you can you can ex- invite exactly who's going to be there. Hmm. If you want a good time and want to talk to some interesting people and some of the nicest people in the paranormal world, go to JJ's Southern Demonology Discord server. So oh. it's not like that, Vic. It's nothing like Facebook. It's nothing like Facebook. It absolutely <laughs> It's just is. chat servers is can, what it is. Can you, it's, can you say something hypothetical like, um, like say there's black goo mm-hmm. being placed in uh, hypodermic needles? That's being up to injected. JJ. It, it's his server. He can, you can say whatever you want that as far as JJ my, didn't. Uh... <laughs> one of my videos got booted off the internet because I you talk, said you something got, about that. You got booted off because of black goo? Well, uh, I may have said that it was being put into uh, mm. medical. I know where you're going. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying not to get you thrown off of YouTube. Well, I mean, bla- Black Goo, I remember that episode. Yeah. I-, I thought your episode was going to oh, be about you. Great. You listen, you listen to the audio or did you watch the video? Audio. Okay. Yeah. The video mm. got wiped. Yeah. I mean, it- I use podcast as my way of entertainment while I'm mm-hmm. going about doing normal things. Okay. Going to the gym, yeah. you know, washing my car, whatever. Um, and so I, I've got a whole list of things that I listen to. And, and so of course that's one of them is yours, but the, um, no, if, if you would like to see some occasionally interesting conversation, JJ's discord server is a, a very good one. Pretty soon I'm going to, have one of my own and i think i guess we should have a paranormal rundown discord server it's something that uh that we definitely want to talk about so that would be be an option um before we before we sign off uh, chris what's the best way for for folks to connect with you um you can get me uh my email address probably would be the best it's strange things at arcanasa.com A-R-C-A-N-A-S-A. It's Arturo Castro, Arcan, and then NASA like is in uh, Never a Straight Answer. (laughs) Oh, I love it. (laughs) Strange things at arcanasa.com. That's my email. And if people think I know what I'm talking about, they can find me strange things with Chris James everywhere. Uh, Every 
podcast platform seems to have me now. Fantastic. Chris, it's been a look. It has really been a genuine honor for me to have you on the show. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. I hope you've had a good time. Oh yeah. I, ho- I hope you feel like we've treated you respectfully and well. And um, I'll let you know when this show comes out. I'm glad all my cats any- finally fell asleep. Yeah. And if there's ever anything any of us can do to uh, help you with things, let us know. Absolutely. Um, you know we're. You got some audio experts here. You got some. <laughs> so. All right. Before, we, before we got going, we were talking about my cheap microphone and how, because my podcast equipment is slowly diminishing. <laughs> I went from a computers with a mixer, a soundboard, and fancy microphones. Now I got a computer with a microphone plugged into it. That is my podcast equipment. Well, that simplicity is much easier. Mm. And and sometimes just allows you to relax and just get the work done. Mm-hmm. So no music, just <clears throat> yeah, that's right. No, it, I remember I when the music. I remember when the music went away, and he said, mm-hmm. "You know, we don't have any music. I'm okay with that." <laughs> <laughs> I didn't pick that song. So uh, Arturo, so bye bye, best American Pie, right? Mm. I can't well, fix it. I'm not going to worry about it. Not going to worry about it. Anybody have any final words? Nope. It's just been great. It's been a good. It really has. It uh, has this, is, this has been as much fun yeah. as any of the episodes we've done. So, Chris, thank you so much, and you uh, thanks for having me. Okay. Bye bye. You bet. Even though I find myself in partners in the perfect situation, I will endeavor to end the show in a classical, proper, dankworth life manner. Thank you for listening to the Paranormal Rundown Halloween Special, Part 1. In a few days, you can hear the Halloween Special, Part 2. Anyway, sooner or later, Avalon will probably, probably let me out of this damn bag. The Paranormal Rundown is a joint production of Dick Hermanson, Dave Griffith, J.J. Johnson, and Father Michael Bird's song. Any media clips used are used under the protection of the Fair Use Doctrine. Avalon. Oh, Avalon, please let me out of this bag. Uh, I didn't raise her correctly. Anyway, why don't you contact us at feedback at paranormalrundown.com. The music used in the show is from Lobo Loco and Smart Sound. At least it appears to be a relatively clean bag. Hmm. Does seem to lack a loo. Should have a very, very catchy song, though. Are you, are you heading to the tree where they hanged up a man? I never get lyrics right. Are you, are you?